Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Australia on this day. My name is Michael Adams, and today we're heading back to Saturday, the 4th of July, 1964. That was the day that the editor of the Sun Herald newspaper in Sydney had to make a big decision about which photo story to run on the front page. It wasn't so much a big news day as a colourful news day. At Parks in Western New South Wales, a 25-year-old man named Terry McCormick boarded the basket of the Archimedes and made Australia's first manned balloon flight in 50 years. When he landed, Terry said, and I quote, it was a gas. The Sun-Herald editor also had on his desk a chilling report about a new species of sea stinger found in Sydney Harbour that was thought as deadly as a sea wasp that had killed 16 people in Queensland in the last quarter century alone. This story came with a nightmare photo of this tentacled beast that had been supplied by amateur nature photographer and biologist Frederick Myers, whose day job was, wait for it, New South Wales Supreme Court judge. Meanwhile, all over the world, wintry Sydney included, women were embracing the new fad for topless swimming and sunbathing. That led America's most famous pop psychologist, Dr. Joyce Brothers, to take time out from her 4th of July celebrations in New York to claim such women were, quote, narcissistic, bored, exhibitionist, defeminized, and oversold on sex. Across the Atlantic, a woman who was none of those things but who had been dead for 20 minutes suddenly started breathing again. Her son got an urgent phone call from a doctor who said, quote, Your mother has done a marvellous thing. She has come back to life. In other death-defying news, Soviet news agency TASS reported from Moscow on the premiere of a documentary called Born 1805, which was about a 159-year-old peasant man living in the mountains of Azerbaijan with a far younger woman, his wife, still sprightly, at just 92. As the Sun-Herald approached deadline that Saturday, the 4th of July, 1964, the editor had a lot of news from which to choose. But the front page photo story he went with had happened just down the road in Sydney that afternoon. It was headlined, 70 pound toy for boy. The accompanying photo showed the toy, a fully operational 12 ton vintage steamroller being driven along a street in Glebe by the boy, 15 year old Adrian Price, who'd bought it with pocket money that he'd saved for three years. Back in 1964, that steamroller, designated name number one, had actually been a pretty familiar sight in Sydney for the past half century. Number one was one of four steamrollers manufactured in England that had been bought by the New South Wales government in 1914. The machines were purchased for maintaining and repairing lines on Sydney's tram network. Sydney's first trams in the early 1860s were horse-drawn, but the network was a disaster, not least after one of these trams accidentally killed a popular musician. 
Far more successful in 1879 was the debut of steam trams. They were superseded in 1902 by electric trams and by the mid-1930s, Sydney's tram network had grown to be the biggest in the Southern Hemisphere and in the Commonwealth it ran second only to London. Installing, maintaining, repairing and replacing hundreds of miles of track meant digging up the surrounding road and then returning it to a smooth and usable thoroughfare for motor vehicles. From 1914, that job was done by those four 12-tonne steamrollers. They were lumbering beasts that did a top speed of four miles per hour. And for every mile covered, you had to burn 50 kilograms of coal or coke to boil 120 litres of water and turn it into steam. So they were slow, noisy and smelly, but at 12 tonnes, they got the job done and flattened those road surfaces. After the Second World War, with the number of cars on Sydney roads increasing, the city's thousands of trams were increasingly seen as traffic hazards. So the tram system was marked for extinction and the steamrollers were now used to tear up the tracks and tar the roads. On the 30th of April 1964, the last of Sydney's tram lines were ceremonially ripped up and the last of the four steamrollers was put into retirement. Two were destined to be scrapped, but two would go up for sale by tender. Enter 15-year-old Adrian Price, who made a bid for one of the steamrollers, but lost out to an RSL club. But then the club decided it didn't want the steamroller after all, and sold it to Adrian for what they'd paid for it, £83, rather than the £70 as claimed by the Sun-Herald's headline. Adjusted for inflation, £83 is about $2,400 today. But perhaps a better indicator of value is that back then it was a full month's wage for the average working man. Deal done. On Saturday the 4th of July 1964, Adrian watched as a couple of slightly older steam enthusiasts drove number one, the big toy that was now his pride and joy, up his street in Glebe. As well as newspaper and TV reporters, CineSound Review's newsreel camera crew was also on hand to film the proceedings. Riffing on the fact that the Fab Four had just toured Australia, the resulting CineSound segment's title was Beetle Crusher? Teenager Buys a Steamroller. The narration squeezed in every possible hokey dad joke. Just take a listen. Adrian's new toy makes a rattling good impression on the neighbourhood. It's the kind of toy that leaves others flat. Stand back. She's beginning to roll. And when she rolls, she shakes more bones than Elvis Presley. Is 12-ton Tessie out of control? What the Sun-Herald and CineSound stories didn't get at were questions like, why did Adrian want a steamroller in the first place? What did his parents think? How had he saved for it? And now he had it, what was he going to do with it? 56 years on, I thought it was time for a few answers, and so I phoned up Adrian Price. As a boy, what made you fall in love with a vintage steamroller? The day after the, the trams finished on our line at Bronte in the eastern suburbs, and uh, very early, well, about 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, there was immense bashing and clanking and banging outside our house, which stood up above the road. And here was this giant yellow and black monster of a machine uh, puffing and banging down the road, which was a single lane, and all the Beach traffic, cars were all piled up behind it back over the hill. It only did about two mile an hour 
coming down a hill. And uh, that machine was there all day, uh, working up and down, uh, rolling tar in on a, a section where there was trams only to try and create enough room for the buses to pass each other. That was it. And so it was love at first sight, was it? You bet. What appealed about the steamroller? Um, oh, it was the smell and the uh, sound and, you know, steam, steam is wonderful. Once you're hooked on steam, you never get off it. So did you already have some money saved? I had nothing then. I was 12. Oh, okay. So you saw it like three years beforehand. That's right. Wow. How did you save up the money? Uh, Well, um, in 1962, my parents took a lease on a very small hotel in uh, Forest Lodge, which is part of Glebe, if you like. And I got a job helping Dad clean the stems that go in the kegs and the pipes that take the beer to the taps in the bar, and also packing fridges for a Friday and Saturday night rush at 10 o'clock. And all the while you're dreaming of putting those pennies and pounds towards the steamroller. That's right. So what did your parents think of your uh, desire to buy a 12-tonne, 50-year-old steamroller? Insanity. Did they try to talk you out of it? Oh, yeah. I had to talk them into it for three years, Uh, Took a long lot of talking. Took my dad out to the tramway yards at Randwick and I took him out to show him, you know, what it actually was, you know, how it was important and significant and, and that these, I shouldn't go to scrap. How did you feel seeing it steam down your street? Oh, immensely proud and almost in a state of disbelief. So how did the newspapers and the newsreel find out about you taking possession of the steamroller? Well, I had a, a friend whose name was Gil Heyman, and he was <laughs> he was very big on contacting the press about anything that he thought you know that they should know about. So he he rang the newspapers, TV stations, etc., and unbeknown to me, and they turned up. And what about the result? The newsreel is kind of one dad joke after the other, followed by a fake drama. <laughs> And how do you feel about it 56 years later? Oh, I'm slightly more mellowed. I thought that it was a crappy voiceover. And what did your friends and family think of your 15 minutes of fame? Well, when I went back to school, a lot of my 15-year-old mates naturally are paying out on, you know, what kind of carburetor has it got. I didn't even know what a carburetor was because we didn't own a motor car. Your family didn't own a motor car, but it did own no. a steamroller. Did you park it on the street or did you build a garage for it? Or Well, um, when I lived at Glebe, the local school which I went to for one year uh, was run by a Catholic order, the Patrician Brothers, and they had a training college out at Narellan near Campbelltown and they offered uh, me to take it out there, which was a big relief because I had nowhere to put it. And, um, yeah, so it went by truck the following weekend out to Narellan and it remained in the Campbelltown district to this day. And how much use did you actually get out of it? Oh, lots. You know, whenever I could, I would. I didn't have a licence for a few years, of course. Um, You know, I'd get on the train and go out to Campbelltown and then get on a bus out to Norellan and, you know, paint it up and clean it and steam it up occasionally. How long did you have number one for? I think I uh, sold it in 1993. And can I ask how much you sold it for? I think it was $14,000. 
$14,000, that's not a bad profit over the years. That's interesting looking back. The, my parents' biggest worry was that it was worth nothing. Where, where is it located now? It's at uh, Campbelltown Steam Museum at Menangle Park. And do you go out and, and visit? Uh, yeah, I, I still go there for the open days twice a year and drive steam engines. Fantastic. And your love of steam machinery from that very first day that you saw number one in operation when you were 12, has it continued through your whole life? Yes, it has. And how does it find expression now? Um, now, I model trains these days, so I have a very large collection of model steam trains that are electric and not steam driven. I guess that's a little bit more manageable than a 12-ton vehicle. And a hell of a lot more manageable. <laughs> I'm Michael Adams, and you've been listening to Australia on This Day. Make sure you're subscribed to get every episode as soon as it's released. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you could leave a review and rating at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're after more tales from our fascinating history, check out my other show, Forgotten Australia. This podcast was produced in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales on land traditionally owned by the Darug and Gundungurra people. Thanks for listening. And catch you tomorrow. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.